0: Welcome to episode 28 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim... No, my name is Jason Lewandowski. Tim is off today. We are joined by management... Mr. Scott Harrington, and producer Dan Humphrey. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people, making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by Team Ohio. Time in the rink as a Team Ohio player is about more than competition. It's about seizing opportunities to grow as athletes, about being a great teammate, and to be a part of a community. That's why our premier tier two hockey league welcomes youth players ages five to 18 years old to join our nationally lauded program with reasonable fees, transparency and athlete development that has prepared players for teams at all levels. We are here to coach our players for success both on and off the ice. Well, I'd love to talk about episode 27. However, I was not there. So On episode 27, the boys had a chance to sit down with Eric Kignina, founder of Athletic Performance Insight, an easy-to-use tool that allows you to log advanced statistics for your hockey team and not only generate reports that can help you break down what is happening on the ice, but also integrates a video component that can help you break down different parts of your game. It's a very powerful tool that can help a team at any level of hockey and taking into consideration what a challenging hockey season this is going to be and in an effort to get some momentum with his new product, Eric is offering it free right now. Guys, how was it talking with Eric last week?
1: It was, uh, it was pretty cool what that thing can do. Um, there's all kinds of – I mean, we could do a whole show on analytics and hockey and what they have now, you know, all the numbers that they can throw at you. And, you know, you think of it as something that only the NHL teams have or the big-time college programs have and with this tool you can use it for your team you you can decide what stats you want to track you can use it you know to do a number of different things and the the, the whole key like i've thought about doing something like that before and the whole key is being able to gather all those data points while you're watching a hockey game because it's so fast um, right, and he's come up with a really easy to use interface there's a great video on his website uh, that it shows it uh, uh, demonstrates it better. Um, but uh, you know, you can just have that for your youth hockey team, your high school team, whatever. He said he's already heard from a few uh, ACHA programs, and uh, you know, it was very impressive that you can have this uh, this tool and all this data at your fingertips uh, with your own with your own team.
0: So let me ask you this: I don't know what I'm watching out there. You can go ahead and ask a numerous amount of players. Um, is it easy to use? Is it is it something that that you know, a lot of new hockey families, hockey moms, hockey dads could, if they're, if the organization had it or their team had it, is it something that they could very easily go about using?
1: It's the easy, it's easy, as easy to use, I'm sure as any, uh, interface that exists to be able to collect that information. I know NHL teams have six, eight people tracking all the numbers, right? Um, you can do this with two people, um you're gonna have to know no hockey because if you're trying to track you know some of the deep the deep numbers you're gonna have to be able to know what you're doing and you're gonna have to be quick at fast you know inputting that data but you know it it does allow you to do all of that with two people um so there still is that human element that you're gonna have to be able to tap away pretty quick and know what you're watching if you're going to track the the coursey stats and the zone entries and all that kind of stuff. But another good thing about it is you don't have to do all of that. You can start small, just track basic stuff, you know, not only the, I mean, the scoring stats, the goals and assists and all that, but, you know, hits face-offs, things like that. Uh, start slow with whatever you're able to do comfortably and then, and then build on it.
0: Well, I I would encourage everybody within the sound of my voice to go and learn more. Scott, what is his uh, uh, website?
1: www.athleticperformanceinsight.com. And as I said last week, apparently API was taken. Okay. But (laughs) it's athleticperformanceinsight.com. All right. Um, And there's a video, like a four-minute video on there that does a really good job of breaking down how it works and all that. And he's uh, I mentioned this last week he's built on it, I I talked to him about a month ago for the first time and we're talking about some of the things that it does and he's added. stuff since then he's added uh, capabilities and and functionality and he said there's another update coming out this week, so uh, he keeps building on it so it's 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 really cool stuff you gotta check it out.
0: Does it have a button on there that says uh, they shot the puck or they continually try to split defensemen and get a deke? No? <laughs> a, uh, okay. A failed, yeah, <laughs> failed toe drag button. Yeah, a failed toe drag button. That's for a later update.
1: Yeah. And then it also, all the data, all the events that get entered, yeah, it, it syncs up with the video so you can go back and say, okay, show me all of number 17's shot attempts and it'll stack the videos up and you can go in and look at them one one after another. Very, very powerful stuff.
0: You know, with, with, excuse me, with the uh, NHL being very analytical and and the analytics of things, I don't want to say making their way into everyday hockey, if you will, but it's been here. It's, 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 it's continuing. I don't know how important some of it is, um, but I think that as, as technology becomes, Easier to use for the layperson, if you will. I think that having that sort of information at your fingertips is 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 huge for teams that are growing. For for I, I, maybe the youth, to an extent, depends on what level. But I think yeah. a lot of it, you know, it still needs to be feel and sight and 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 that hands-on type things. However, when I took a look at this because we, we've known we were having Eric on a few, for a few weeks, and I took a look at it, absolutely blown away. I mean, I watched that video and I'm like, Oh, please. Yes. Yeah. This, this, yeah. uh this gets rid of a lot of the, he said, she said, and a lot of the stop watching and, and, and stuff like that. So.
1: Yeah. And it's not, cool it tool. doesn't, it's not going to really be, you know, the, 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 the feel like you say, versus the numbers, you don't have to, it's not going to be all one or the other, but it's right. nice to have something. I compared it to like cross-checking for scouts. Like you think a kid's playing well and you look at the numbers and the numbers aren't good. Well, it at least makes you rethink it and look at it again. Well, is he really playing that or is he handling these situations properly? Um, yeah. And if the numbers are confirming what you're seeing, fantastic. But if there's a disparity there, go back and look at it again.
0: Well, you talk to a lot of higher level junior guys than 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 I do, um, at least in uh, management positions. Do they use something like this or are they on kind of like the NHL system where there's multiple guys tracking this, you know, pen and paper, or iPad, whatever.
1: That's a great question. I, I'm not sure, um, how prevalent it is at the different levels. Um, but I think anybody out there who's not doing something, a lot of teams are kind of making their own solutions. Okay. This is one that, um, is easily accessible, uh, certainly affordable for this year. You can try it for free. Um, so I think anybody out there who's not doing it and has been just trying to figure out where to start, this is a great place to start.
0: That's awesome. Well, you, well, you guys followed that up by talking to Mentor Cardinals head coach, Paul Maquito, whose team has won the last two Baron Cups and has not lost a Red Division League game in the Greater Cleveland High School Hockey League in either of the last two seasons. Wow. We yep. talked about the Cardinals' recent success. <laughs> well, you guys did. And how the team is looking this upcoming season and also how he's planning to to navigate the COVID restrictions with his team this year. I did know that stat. I've never, I've known it, but I did not read it. And the fact that they haven't lost a divisional game in two years. I mean, I I know some of the players that were on his team and one of them has to be the fastest player I've seen in in years. Straight speed, man, in uh, Kyle Bankston. And I believe Kyle just graduated. Um, how was your talk with coach Mikito?
1: It was excellent. Uh, we did mention uh, Kyle Baxton who broke the all-time scoring record and he said that it's actually there's another kid, I believe it's Andrew McBride uh, who will be a senior this year who has a chance to break the record again. So it'll be the third straight year that the record's broken. I guess McBride's older brother said it three years two years ago. okay. Baxton broke it last year and now they think the younger McBride will pass him this year assuming they get to play enough
0: games obviously.
1: Um, how,
0: how does uh how does coach feel the uh season's going to look uh be it with COVID and take the COVID out of it take take the restrictions out of it how does he feel his team shaping up for this season?
1: Yeah, they had some pretty serious losses to graduation, but it seems like they've got a team that uh is going to be able to reload and uh, still have some high-level players that are coming back. Uh, they've got two good goaltenders, uh, Madeline Badamek, who's one of the top female goalies in the state and on the USA hockey radar. Um, uh, she's splitting the net with another kid. So um, I think the the Cardinals are, are I don't know that they'll go undefeated in league play again a third year, but they're definitely uh, Baron Cup contenders once again. But it was nice to talk about hockey in the present tense with,
0: <laughs> you know,
1: like we are doing this, we are doing that. And uh, uh, he and Sully had a, a good talk about how they're handling the different uh, things with the masks and all that. And it yeah. Seems like there's still a lot of stuff that needs to be clarified there. But uh, I would look for Mentor to be a, a Baron Cup contender again this season.
0: That's awesome. And, and uh, best of luck to Coach Mikito and, and everybody out there in Mentor. And they only have about 6 million kids in the school um and and they do put on they, they, they do have a heck of a hockey team they've had a heck of a hockey team for many years and it's great to see them having success uh just as long as we don't have to play each other and that's fantastic but uh you know uh with me being gone a week i'd like to catch up with uh you guys since i uh, uh the other member of the organization tim sullivan is is unavailable tonight uh, basically what happened folks is that in your job? Sometimes you have management sit in and evaluate your your progress and, and how they see you working. So what we did was I was suspended the last two weeks. Uh, I was not permitted to come on the show because management wanted to dissect uh, the podcast and make sure we were going in the proper direction. Is that, is that correct, Scott? Is that is that? I mean, that's what the letter from management said to me when I received it via mail. So you don't. You can wait. You can wait your turn. I'd like to see how you guys uh, how you're last few weeks of band Danny what's good with you
2: uh you know pretty much same old um it was nice to get the season officially started over the weekend um you know get on the ice with the boys start you know putting putting guys where where they're going to be to start the year and then you know see them where they're going to end up um you know, if you're hearing music in the background right now, I apologize, but I'm sure a lot of the uh, parents out there can agree that cocoa melon has taken over taken over their households. So it's all the two year old wants to do is listen to these nursery rhyme music videos. So <laughs> other than that, that's that's my life. Hockey, cocoa melon, and beverages. So
0: Oh, what do you got tonight?
2: Uh we're going with the harpoon. Duncan pumpkin.
0: You love that pumpkin stuff, don't you?
2: Yeah, it's not bad. Well, I mean, this okay. the weather, the weather's perfect for it. It gets a little cold, it warms you up a little bit. Oh, I like it. I like where you're going.
0: Well, back by popular demand, and based on the response on Twitter, our yeah. our oh. uh, the next guy, the, the the next guy on the microphone is hands down a shoe in to be non stop on the podcast. Not only does he run it, not only does he book the guests, not only is he basically our boss, he's a hell of a guy, and all the ladies love him, especially according to Twitter. It's a it's a uh uh what do they call it? A demographic of about I thought it was I last check, it was 42 to 73. You are running the market, my friend. Yeah. Uh Mr. Scott Harrington, how how was your week last week on the podcast? And Just- how has your week been this week?
1: It's forty-two to seventy-three-year-old men, unfortunately. But hey,
0: well, I, uh, uh, again, again, I'm. Unbiased. First of all,
1: everything Lev said uh, at the beginning is completely false. No, that is true. <laughs> but um, it was kind of cool to see how the sausage is made, you know, and uh, <laughs> see how you guys uh, put this thing together. But seriously, you guys do a fantastic job, and it was fun to sit in and do one. I did not think I'd be back this week, but back this soon. But uh, happy to do it, and uh, it was a lot
0: of fun. What did you find the most challenging about being on the podcast? Uh you didn't think I you were gonna get interviewed today, did you? Go ahead. No.
1: I think it was just uh trying not to step on Sully. You know, trying to, you know, we two people interviewing one other person, just trying not to step in at the wrong time. That's all. But what uh, did
0: you what did you enjoy most about it?
1: Uh uh what did i enjoy most i don't know it was two pretty cool guests um mikito had a lot of cool stuff to say and it was fun to like i said talk about hockey in the present tense and uh i've talked to eric a few times we've got his information up on the website so um i think that's a really cool thing that we got to talk about so um i don't know it was just kind of fun to just go home and listen to your uh Listen to the sound of your own voice on the podcast and see how it came out. See if it went as well as you thought it did, or not as good as you thought it did. You know, it's
0: fine. How did you like hearing your own voice? Because that—that, to be honest—is—is is, for some people just it's very—it's a very hard thing to to listen to.
1: Yeah, I don't like it. I have to speak more clearly. I think.
0: Well, you're used to we're I just mumble a little bit. No, <laughs> no, you don't. Stop it! Stop it! Um, what is that word? It's. A-N-A-L-Y-S-T. How do you say that word?
1: I can say analyst, analytics, analytical, uh analysis.
0: Yes, Benvenue.
1: Benvenue. I got some French stuff I can say. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. That went fine. Yes. Well, that's good. Uh, and 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 you know, in, in listening to it and listening to the clips that I heard. Uh, you did a hell of a job. You always do. Um, I think if you were on more I think you would loosen up more and be more fun. Um, You know, I'm kidding with you right now. And uh, well, I'm just thankful that you were able to be there. And uh, I know Sully enjoyed it. I know Danny enjoyed it. And I I was thankful. Um, I have more work than I know what to do with right now. So I've been unavailable. And I thank you so much for one, giving us the opportunity to be able to have this fun weekly talk to some amazing people. I mean there hasn't been a guest, there never will be a guest that isn't a good time and we learn something from. Um uh and so thank you for allowing us this platform to do this stuff and try not to inject our own opinions into society which we have enough people doing that. So allowing us to talk to people and and get their good message out and and, and learn about as we say interesting people making the hockey community better. And and we've done that through you. So for that, we thank you so much.
1: Yeah. And thank you for all the time you've put in and uh, giving us some content for Ohio hockey digest for the last eight months when we didn't have really a whole lot to put up there. So that's been great. And now the best getting back to the analytics, we can compare last week's numbers with me and Sully to this week's numbers with me and you and see who has the better numbers.
0: Well, if that's the case, everybody take their shirt off and we're gonna get a better demographic. Here we go. Maybe it won't be just the men.
1: This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by Team Ohio. Our premier tier two hockey program welcomes youth players ages five to 18 years old to join our nationally lauded program with reasonable fees, transparency, and athlete development that has prepped players for teams at all levels. We're here to coach our players for success both on and off the ice. Boom. First take.
0: Wow. Wow. <laughs> coming big, coming strong. I'm going to edit that out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Hockey has started, uh, at least for the high school season. I know the youth teams have been out there playing uh, junior teams sporadically. It's uh, pretty much uh, hit or miss right now in the, in the junior ranks. And we are still waiting on NCAA and others to get started. We're hearing first of the year, if not into, or maybe even as early as November, late November, December. But with that being said, let's jump into the digest and see what's making news in the world of hockey today. The Ohio Hockey Digest is looking for writers to contribute content for the 2020 2021 season. Specifically, we need somebody to cover high school hockey in the Columbus area. This is a great opportunity for a student looking for experience as a sports writer. If that's you, or just like writing about hockey, contact Scott at OhioHockeyDigest.com. In addition to a need for writers, the Digest is looking for an intern to help with pre-production of the on-air podcast, including research on guests and some writing for the show. These are outstanding opportunities for a student with an interest in sports journalism or broadcasting. Email Scott at scott at OhioHockeyDigest.com and let us know if you are interested. The National Collegiate Hockey Conference, which includes Miami University, has finalized plans for a 26-game conference schedule, utilizing a centralized location, or a pod, to start the season in an attempt to limit team travel. NCHC teams have been divided into two divisions. Miami is in the East, along with Minnesota Duluth, St. Cloud State, and Western Michigan. Teams will play each of their divisional opponents six times 18 games total and each cross-division opponent twice, eight games total, with all cross-division games taking place in the pod to alleviate travel. The season will begin December 1st with the University of Nebraska Omaha's Baxter Arena hosting all eight NCHC teams. Competition in the pod will include 10 games per team, 40 total games. In addition to the cross division games at Baxter arena, each team will also play two games against one divisional foe in the pod. At this time, no changes are planned for the 2021 NCHC tournament. I need a question on that. Yeah. They're playing how many, hold on a second. What did they say? They're playing it. 10 games games per team. team. All in one, all in one go. So they're going to go to Baxter arena and they're playing 10. And then yep. they're going back to school. Correct. And then they're coming back and they're playing another 10. I think they they're have three weeks.
1: I think they're going to be there three weeks.
0: Oh, three weeks total. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's no way in hell they can get 10 games in in one week. That's In
1: the insane. in the pod. Yeah. Yeah. Pro okay. hockey, you use a bubble. College The college game, you go with a pod.
0: Oh. Semantics. <laughs> okay. Thank you.
1: Cleveland Monsters were busy in late October signing five players to American Hockey League contracts. Three players will be returning to Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse and bringing a combined 11 years of experience with the Monsters. Forward Justin Scott, defenseman Dylan Simpson, and goaltender Brad Thiessen. Cleveland also signed forward Tyler Secura away from the Chicago Blackhawks organization. Secura played for the Rockford Ice Hogs in the AHL last year. And finally, the Monsters signed Powell, Ohio Ohio native and former Miami and Ohio State player Carson Meyer to an AHL deal. Meyer, a graduate of the Ohio AAA Blue Jackets organization, was a 2017 draft pick of the Blue Jackets, but it was not signed after expending his NCAA eligibility last season. In addition to the five players signed to minor league deals, the Blue Jackets signed center Kevin Stenland to a one-year two-way deal that could see the Swedish pivot spend more time in Cleveland. He would have to clear waivers, however, so he is a decent bet to start the season in Columbus.
0: The National Hockey League is yet to lay out the calendar for the upcoming season. Initial speculation was that they would start back up in December, but that was quickly pushed back to January. Last week, the league announced the cancellation of the January 1st Winter Classic and the NHL All-Star Game, which typically takes place in February. As of now, the February 20th NHL Stadium Series game featuring the Carolina Hurricanes at Carter-Finley Stadium has not been canceled. The American League will start February 5th, but very little else is known at this time. Management has reached out to the Cleveland Monsters about getting team president Mike Ostrowski on the podcast. Ostrowski is a member of the American Hockey League's Return to Play Committee and can shed some light on what a heavy lift it is organizing a season for a high-level professional hockey league during a pandemic. Mike will also be able to tell us about particulars with the Monsters in terms of ticket plans and how many fans will be allowed in Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Although, as we know, everything is still fluid in the sports world.
1: The Toledo Cherokee suffered their first loss of the United States' premier hockey league season on Saturday. A 5-1 setback to the Pittsburgh Vengeance snapped a 13-game Toledo win streak to start the USPHL season. Toledo remains in first place in the Great Lakes Division with 26 points, four points ahead of Pittsburgh. Key performers for the Cherokee include a pair of 19-year-old wingers, Bailey Bird with 10 goals and 24 points, and Andre DuPaul with 11 goals and 22
0: points. The USPHL's Columbus Mavericks, winners of three in a row, continue to be aggressive with roster moves. The Mavs added Granville, Ohio native defenseman Nathan Chakowsky, to their roster on October 30th. Tchaikovsky is a former Newark general. 20 of the 27 players listed on the Columbus roster are Ohio-born, including all three goaltenders and seven of eight defensemen. Also, for the second time in as many weeks, the Mavericks sent a player to the Wooster Oilers as 19-year-old blue liner Braden Krejcik joins the Oilers. Braden, I apologize if I just butchered your name.
1: We are hoping to get Youngstown Phantoms head coach and general manager Brad Patterson on the podcast in the next few weeks. Patterson and the Phantoms pulled off a trade last week sending defenseman John Larkin an Ohio State commit to the Muskegon Lumberjacks for defenseman Dylan Grattan and a ninth round pick in the 2021 phase two United States Hockey League draft. Grattan is a native of Pottstown, Pennsylvania and played 46 USHL games with the Lumberjacks last year producing nine points. He is committed to Penn State University. Patterson says Gratton's ability to see the ice and his elite skating ability always stood out when Youngstown played Muskegon. The Phantoms are in Chicago this week to begin the USHL season and play their home opener December 4th against the Lumberjacks.
0: There will be no body checking in the Ontario Hockey League this season. I will say that again. (laughs) There will be no body checking in the league that sends arguably the most players to the National Hockey League. Again, there will be no body checking in the Ontario Hockey League this season. Lisa McLeod, Ontario's Minister of Sport, said that removing purposeful physical contact from the game was a necessary step to preventing the spread of COVID-19 and that the decision was influenced by the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, which had several COVID-19 outbreaks on its teams earlier this fall. The OHL announced on Thursday that it plans to start a shortened season on February 4th. Okay. There's so much to dissect in this. There's and, a lot uh, there. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I happen to speak or speak. I happen to watch uh, uh, a lot of the guys on TSN, uh, the Draggers and, and, and O-Dog and some others. Um, <laughs> hold yeah, on They a were second.
1: digging into it today. I was listening. Oh to that. my gosh. <laughs> All right, Isn't now, purposeful physical contact half the point of the game?
0: <laughs> it, 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 separation of puck and body is the definition of a body check.
1: And they were talking about body checking, but I think when guys are in, there's a scrum in the corner. That's a you're more a more chance of you know breathing on somebody.
0: Well, first I of mean, all, a, breathing, and they're talking to each other in that corner. Yeah. They are talking. Nobody's shutting their mouth. Nobody has a right. mask, and even if they had a mask, they're still talking. Now, yeah. they did not say there's no fighting in the Ontario Hockey League either. So there point. are so many things that happen that. in a yeah. hockey game, especially at that level. There are so many things that happen in a hockey game that taking body checking out. the yeah. Some guys, that is their only way to make it. Yeah. You know, let me rephrase that because that's not entirely true. The physicalness is something that they use to make it. Yeah, And you're telling me now you can't do that because early on when we had less information and we had less ability to control the situation, if you will, in the Quebec major junior league, they had like a team have an outbreak and then another team have an outbreak. And they had like, I think at one sitting, I, I thought I heard 19 total players become positive. Okay. That was then because Quebec major started earlier or at least at the time they did anyway or, you know, when I first heard this. Yeah. And now the OHL is saying, no, nobody contact. I'm like, you, it, it, look, I get it. I understand as a person who had COVID, I understand being protective and being proactive because we have to be proactive. However, there are a million other ways to go about it and keep the integrity of the game as is, you know, early on, they talked about, um, possibly changing the way faceoffs went to where you couldn't line up against each other. And, and more or less centermen, uh, almost, almost could not take a legitimate faceoff. Well, you're, you're, you're messing with the integrity of the game. Now I know that there's junior teams that started and played about three games and then got shut down completely. Yet that junior program, which happens to be the Northern Cyclones, they have such a rigorous testing program That it's almost their bubbles, Mm. almost as best they can. So I don't understand whatsoever. (laughs) I I don't understand whatsoever. And I I know the question here is: Is it even worth playing at that level without checking? No, it is not. No, that is is an integral (laughs) part of the game. Don't
1: bother. I know. Don't bother. I mean, come on. So I'm thinking about you're a defenseman. (laughs) Guys flying at you with with the puck comes across the blue line, cuts to the middle do you step in front of them? Do you wave your stick at them? I mean, what do they want you to do? It's just, it, it's, don't immensely.
0: it's immensely. Yeah. You're going to take mentally guys to the NHL. I mean, come on. Yes. And, and, and not that one year is going to, let me rephrase that. One year could make or break some guys truth, but there are a yeah. lot of guys that not are, that are not high up on the central scouting list that need this year as much as normal as possible to propel them up that list, to make it, to get drafted, to, to move on. And, and I just. When let's I say you
1: that, are, let's say you are one of the skill guys and you put up 80 points in the OHL this year with no checking. They're going to yeah. say, eh, yep. there's no checking.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you're invited to development camp or you're invited as an undrafted to a development camp and you just get blasted in a corner because you haven't right. felt a body on you in 60 games, 70 games, Remember, 80 games.
1: Remember Ian Moran told us one of the things they look for is when a kid gets hit in the mouth the first time, how does he react? Well, if nobody's getting hit in the mouth, how are you going to know?
0: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I just think that in, in the idea of, of being proactive, I, I truly believe that those that made the decision for the OHL, because this was not the Ontario hockey league making this decision. This was uh, the minister of sport in Ontario. And we don't need to say her name again, so she gets um, any more hate messages that I'm sure she's already received. I just think they they way they went way overboard on this. I think. And were
1: those were those teams in the Quebec League? Were they still having team meals? Were they still uh, you know getting together away from the rink? Is is that how they passed it around? How is it? You know, they don't know if it happened on the ice or whether it happened away from the rink.
0: No anyhow they they, they they again we didn't have enough information then and and so everybody was scared and now we're going to go overboard in the OHL to keep the kids safe it's like <laughs> stop it'll I mean, be interesting it, to watch <laughs> all all of it will. everything from 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 youth level which which had some outbreaks uh locally um to how high school is going to pro- progress i know uh there've been games that have been canceled there have been situations where You know, you have to kind of, everybody has to be fluid with and patient, very, very patient with this season. And that stinks when you are so accustomed to routine. Your routine is 100% thrown out the window. You have to be able to adapt to it.
1: Finally, uh, Ohio Hockey Digest senior writer Jim Smith will be posting an update on the Kent State University ice arena closure later this week. Uh, traded text earlier with Jim and he said the ice has been removed and KSU students are leaving campus November 21st and not returning until the spring semester uh, sometime in January so he doesn't expect the issue will even be uh, reviewed about opening the, the arena back up until uh, sometime around the end of December around the holidays so
0: what I find humorous with that whole story and I find it humorous from a political shut up mentality is did you close the uh student center did you close the rec center yeah because i've been told they did not yeah if i am wrong i stand corrected and i'll own it but i was told that the rec center was not closed Mm -hmm. yet the ice rink where uh no disrespect intended they make a boatload of money and they house a lot of youth in high school teams let alone the two college teams um they are shut down
1: Yeah, I think we counted 20 teams, if you count all of the uh, Kent State, or I'm sorry, the Kent Cyclones teams. Yep, yep. Yep, and then obviously some high school programs and that, so.
0: Again, I think a lot of things were uh, a bit overdone. I'm not trying to take severity away of the pandemic. However, I think some things were overdone, but we'll find out hopefully in December from Jim uh, what's going to happen with the arena. Well, it's time to get on air. Let's join us now as we venture into the News Herald coverage area to speak with 20-year veteran high school sports writer, Chris Lilstrong. Our next guest has worked at the News Herald since 1999, covering high school sports, including ice hockey. In 2018, he was honored with an Ohio High School Athletic Association Media Service Award and was the Ohio Prep Sports Writer Association Division One State Sports Writer of the Year in 2016. Please welcome, on air, from the News Herald, Chris Lilstrung. Chris, thanks for being a part of the show today.
3: Oh, it's my pleasure to be with you guys. Uh, an honor to be with you and uh, talk some hockey.
0: Well, it's it's a wonderful thing we're actually able to talk hockey right now, as everything has pretty much gotten in motion Uh, as far as, uh, getting closer to the season, I know we're tryout process and, and scrimmages are about to begin here shortly before the regular season starts around the 20th, 21st of this month. Uh, how have you dealt with your time when sports maybe hasn't been able to happen?
3: (laughs) it's uh it's been a struggle like uh during the fall right now thankfully we're uh, we're into high school soccer so i'm covering soccer at the moment but yeah it was tough for a while uh basically when we didn't have any sports to cover uh during the spring and uh during the summer and into the fall a little bit we would have to do like uh, retrospective type stories and uh, college commitments were a big thing but it, it's been a struggle man no doubt about it but uh we were able to get through it and thankfully we got some normalcy back with uh with soccer and uh yeah obviously with hockey coming up here really looking forward to that so yeah it's been a struggle for a while for sure
0: oh well absolutely Um, uh, can you give us for some context what are the hockey schools or what are the schools that you cover in the news herald coverage area
3: So when I originally started in 2000, it's interesting, we had 13, 14 teams, and uh, unfortunately now it's to a point at which uh, I've got uh, Gilmore in US in the GLHL, uh, Benny, Kenston, and Menor in the red, and then in the blue we got uh, Brush, Chagrin, NDCL, and Mayfield. Uh, So we have a total of uh, nine uh, obviously it would be 10 if we had a uh, late Catholic, but obviously they they went uh, dormant there, which was a really sad thing for me. I haven't covered them all those years, but uh, you know I, I've lost, uh, we had Euclid originally. Uh, they went, uh, West G went away and never came back. Unfortunately, uh, VASJ has tried from time to time to get that program going again. Riverside uh, for a minute there tried with a club program, but yeah, right now we're down to nine teams.
1: And uh, that downtime with uh, well, first of all, tell us what other sports you cover other than hockey, so we will get an idea of what the big. So
3: uh, during the fall, I cover uh, I cover soccer, uh, boys and girls soccer. Uh, I help out a little bit with football, but not a ton because uh, I'm needed more with my uh, with my uh, page layout duty uh, usually on Friday nights. But uh, yeah, uh, soccer during the fall, hockey and swimming and diving during the winter, and uh, track and field during the spring.
1: And during the downtime, is that when you started doing the uh, photo gallery retrospectives or was that, were you already doing that before, before COVID hit? Because those are fun.
3: I was doing that before. Yeah, thank you very much. I've been doing those uh, since about uh, roughly about 2017. Basically, uh, you know, we had this room full of. These old photo negative envelopes about yay big, about this big, and they all had these negatives in it. And I'm just like, man, this would be a great resource if I just had a a scanner and just scanned these in. And, you know, I uh I I bought one online real cheap, about 25, 30 bucks, if that. And uh, it came in. And I'm just like, man, it'd be great if I could just build this up and I'd get in these modes where I'd be like, you know, I'll just scanning these old negatives and hockey included in that we had some great stuff from the 90s and uh into about 2000 2001 range and just started scanning stuff in and it, it, it's been a lot of fun and and it, it it's so awesome because I, I hear from people who you know they have relatives who have passed away and there's their relative playing football or you know uh you know uh, somebody who's 25 years removed from high school, they see themselves in a photo gallery. Like, oh my god, that's so awesome! I never expected that. So it's so awesome to hear that from people. I really enjoy doing that, and uh, it's fun to bring it in all sports, but uh, hockey included as well.
0: Well, Chris, how how did you get started in in sports writing?
3: So I was uh, a freshman in college in uh, in January of 1999, and I wasn't sure where I was gonna go from there. And uh, I kind of had this eye toward maybe trying to get into broadcast journalism, uh, be it as a play-by-play announcer, because I had done that when I was in high school at uh, Harvey uh, over in Painesville, and uh, thought maybe I could do that, maybe do something behind the scenes. And then one day, Uh, You know, my mother gets in contact with me and says, hey, I saw this article in the News Herald. They're looking for a sports clerk, uh, people to type in box scores, you know, that come in over the phone or on fax for the high school scoreboard and that's how I got started at the News Herald. I uh, I went and applied for the job. Uh, was hired within a week, and I started on January nineteenth, nineteen ninety nine. And I've been at the News Herald ever since. Originally started as a sports clerk. Eventually became a full time writer while I was still in college, and uh, it, it's been great from there. It's it's such rewarding work. I I love it so much.
0: Who were some of your Who were some of your favorite? Sports personalities, be it a writer, be it a, a broadcaster, uh, that, that that maybe you looked up to, or you tried to tried to—I don't want to say emulate, because you have your own style—but who 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 influenced you to want to get in this in this path?
3: You know, when uh, w- growing up reading the News Herald, uh, certainly uh, some of the great sports writers that uh, the News Herald has had, you know, I always, I remember fondly as a kid reading Hal Labovitz's Sunday column as an example and thinking, wow, that's so awesome that he's so well connected and everybody's willing to talk to Hal and, you know, in that. And, you know, as far as high school sports writers, uh, you know, but, there's a litany of guys uh at the News Herald and plain dealer as well. Uh, you know, long timers, you know, like uh Tim Orsinski, uh, you know, who I eventually became friends with from uh covering high school sports all those years. Uh Tim is such a great man and a great writer. And uh, you know, a lot of the guys I worked with um, you know, at the at the News Herald have been wonderful. Uh, colleagues such as uh you know John Camp over the years. John has been such a wonderful colleague and such a great writer as well. Uh, number of the guys i've worked with over there have been tremendous so uh you know it, it's kind of a mix uh people have covered pro sports people have covered high school sports but uh, all of them have inspired me in some way and definitely influenced my writing
0: so we, we we're, we're learning about you and we understand how you got to the news herald and you were writing for in college and then again you know it continued on you've seen a lot of hockey you've we've read yes. your your all decade teams we've read your lists we've read reviews on games if you will um what are some of the most memorable hockey games or or maybe hockey moments that you've covered
3: oh man uh probably probably the two toward the top of the list uh, and I mean it's a long list but probably toward the top of the list was uh, the two state championship wins for us uh, for my coverage area? I'll never forget that 2003 final. Man, that was such a fantastic game with Eds, uh, just a 2-1 dogfight uh, deep into the third period, and uh, US was able to see that out uh, for their first uh, for their first state title. And uh, you know, it's kind of a funny memory, but I'll, I'll share it anyway. Right after the game, uh, that was when uh, Claire Mascaro. Was the, uh, was the commissioner of the OHSAA. And they always do that spiel where, you know, they, you know, we have uh, you know, 120 hockey teams in Ohio and you're the last one standing, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll never forget, Claire has the trophy in his hand and Bill Beard standing right there next to me. And Claire goes, and it's my pleasure to present to you the 2003 Ohio High School Ice Hockey State Champion, Lakewood St. Edward. <laughs> like, uh, no. <laughs> Force habit. No. The look on Bill Beard's face and and Bill is a friend of mine cuz we go back now, you know, 20 years. Obviously, he's not the he's, he hasn't been the coach of US for quite a while, but I'll never forget the look on Bill's face when Claire oh, Mascaro said that it's their first state title, this massive breakthrough after this awesome game and uh they and and he says that that was memorable, but then yeah, the 2019 team uh probably Probably, certainly the most successful team I have ever had for my coverage area. They were one of the teams that won the triple, uh, going Red North Baron Cup. And state title all in the same year, thirty-one six and three. That was an awesome team to cover, a fun team to cover. Uh, Baron Cup Sundays certainly uh, were so memorable for me over the years and have been. Uh, I could share a thousand memories from going to Brooklyn, and you know certainly those. You know had a couple of, uh, of uh, fun Cleveland Cup finals as well. Uh, over the years here with uh, GLHL coming into play with Gilmore and US playing in there. So uh, definitely a lot of fun memories. Uh, Yeah, I could probably go on all night, but uh, definitely the state titles are up there for sure.
1: And you mentioned uh, Bill Beard. Who are some of your favorite hockey coaches to interview?
3: Probably toward the top of the list, you know, Bill was great. Uh, John Malloy is always a fantastic interview, and the thing I love about John is, is that he does not sugarcoat it. If his team plays great, he'll say so. If they are not any good at all, he'll say so. If the power play just stunk up the joint he'll say so uh so he's always great um it's it's always a pleasure to talk with uh you know Paul uh taking over at Mentor. Paul has done a great job over there he's always a solid interview he's uh you know he's he's entertaining um you know, uh, over the years, we've had some guys who are just, uh, you know, great quotes and we'll hang in there. But certainly the, the two guys uh, at the top of the list for me, uh, Bill was always wonderful. And, uh, you know, John was uh, was was always great. It was and is always great as well.
0: Do you, do you ever have a chance to uh, speak with the uh, head coach of Mayfield?
3: Oh, see Bogus. Yeah, I, I always joke uh, with with Bogus and I. Uh, it is dangerous when Bogus and I get together uh, pre and post game, and maybe in in, in an interview sense as well. Uh, Steve is such a good dude, and we always uh, we always ham it up. Uh, he's he, he's such a great guy, and I uh, yeah, I love talking to him. Yeah, Bogus is a great dude.
0: I, I I had to ask you that because Steve's a friend of the show, and he's a friend of a very close friend of ours, and. He is probably one of the most animated people I've ever met in my entire life. And I've known him since probably six years old. He he's entertaining. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Now Steve is a,
3: (laughs) yeah, he's awesome, man. Yeah. I love talking to him.
0: (laughs) Well, we we had talked to you a few months back about the all decade team you did for, for hockey. um, That had to have been a huge task to narrow down. How, how was it received and how did you come up with that list? (laughs) So, it was, I thought
3: going into the process, it was going to be a lot more difficult than it ultimately ended up being, you know, I put together, you know, I thought I went through 2010 to 2019. I looked at my all-stars and I thought, you know, who, when I look at this list objectively, who are the guys that I would pull out of these all-stars and put on an overall decade team? And I was able to narrow it down to about 12 or 13 guys right away, and I'm like, wow, wait a minute. I'm really surprised by this, but uh, so many of those U.S. guys uh, deserve to be on the list. I felt really bad, and I'll just say it publicly, I felt really bad not having any Gilmore guys on the list. Uh, That was a tough one for me. Uh, There was a few guys that were in the running that were a tough cut toward the end, but you know i was looking at it as far as the guys that i had on there and uh, a lot of those u.s guys uh, contributed to some you know deep postseason runs certainly the gilmore guys did as well and i uh, had a couple other teams mixed in there as well with uh, jacob schmidt from lake catholic and in there as well uh, but yeah it was, uh, it was u.s heavy i'll readily admit that but i was looking at it more from an individual talent standpoint and uh, those guys i uh, all the guys that made the list is deservedly so they were outstanding hockey players and uh deserved their spot in, in on that all decade team
0: how was it received i mean not that it, in all honesty not that it matters but how was it received when it went out It,
3: for the most part okay uh the you know like I said, the gilmore people i i got a couple of how can you not have any Gilmore people on this list and I completely respected that that was a tough deal, you know, but, and, and sometimes when you, it's funny I'll tell a quick story like you know, I've been around long enough that I actually did a 2000s all decade team in 2010 and I remember at that time the biggest challenge that I had honestly was people not recognizing that I was just looking at our coverage area. And I had some people reading me the riot act, you know, just not having like what, like, how can you not have players from Ed's and Ignatius? How can I had a guy like light me up? Like, how could you not have any players on your blue division team from Bay? And I'm like, base 45 minutes from our (laughs) coverage area. What are you talking about? So that's always kind of a challenge with those all decade teams, though. Sometimes when you have those arguments and that sort of thing, like, you know, how can you not have so and so? And the simple answer is the school's just not in our coverage area. It's just as simple as that. But usually that's the main one. But yeah, I did have a couple of Gilmore people that weren't too uh thrilled, but I get it. I totally get it.
0: Well, I, I have to say I have to say that that we we on the podcast, uh we did not jump down your throat, however, we were a little bit critical, and that is a million percent due to the fact we did not know your full coverage area. That was our fault. We apologize. We retracted it the next week. Well, we didn't really retract it. That's a that's a media term. We're not media guys. So <laughs> we went back on it and apologized to you on the podcast. I'm sure you did not listen. That's okay. But uh uh yeah, I mean, heck it, it has to be a difficult job. I mean, you look at 10 years of 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 hockey, and in that 10 years, university school was very dominant. And, and they had a lot mm-hmm. of good players and not, and that was not any list that's put out is not meant to overshadow other players. You know, everyone's going to be left off. Exactly. Something. And, and you wrote it, you stood by it to hell with everybody else. It doesn't matter. And it was good entertainment, man. It was good reading. It is what it is. Well,
1: it's kind of like yeah, when they yeah. put together yeah, the, Canadian, the Canadian team for the world junior tournament, they spend the first three days talking about who's not on there Yeah. because it's just, you know, they got so many to pick from.
3: True. Exactly. I mean, there's only so much you can do. I mean, there's always going to be somebody that's quote unquote an omission, like a bad omission on a list. I mean, everybody has their interpretation, and that's cool. I mean, you know, somebody else might have come up with a completely different list, but that's it's it's all subject to interpretation, and that's that's perfectly fine.
1: And looking forward to this year, uh, we all look forward to your season previews, players to watch, that type of thing. Where are you with uh, your work on that building up to uh later this month, I assume, getting some high school hockey previews out in the news herald.
3: Yeah, so you know it's uh it's always a challenge uh in November for me because I usually have uh boys and girls soccer teams that they're still alive deep into the postseason and as of right now I've got uh, an unprecedented seven teams still left. Six girls, or excuse me, I'm I'm sorry, eight teams actually. Uh, six girls and two boys. Uh, we're in regionals now. Uh, state will be next week. So hopefully, once that's out of the way, then I can zero in on hockey. I usually what I like to do is uh, get it get one season done before I start really jumping in the full, you know, winter mode or spring mode with the other. So uh, I I will definitely get there and I will love doing so. But uh, yeah, uh, I have to get through soccer here first. I got a couple teams that I'm hoping will win a state title. Uh, They got a good shot at it, so we'll see what happens. But uh, always looking forward to hockey. It's uh, it's always fun for me. Well, the next
1: question was going to be, you know, we were going to not try to steal your thunder. We want everybody to read the wait for the previews to come out. But who are some of the players and teams? that you think are maybe primed for big seasons uh coming up here
3: so for my area you know it's uh with Gilmore I did see that a few of the guys who have been on varsity the last couple years have jumped up to the prep team so I know that their roster is a bit of, of a work in progress but John's always got a good squad over there he always uh you know gets uh you know some good guys out there they'll play that kind of grinded out style with uh, you know that's that's special teams oriented and they'll probably win like two one three to two with good goaltending and special teams and I you know I'll be interested to see like uh, I the one guy I didn't see on the prep team that I'll be curious to see if he's coming back for varsity is uh, our uh, new serial player of the year last year, Toby Herlong. I'd love to see him back, but if he's on prep, I totally understand that too. Uh, but I saw like Luke Robertson, uh, Charlie Tuggy, uh, a couple of those guys are already up on the prep team. So it'll be interesting there. Uh, U.S. had some good young forwards last year, uh, John Pape, uh, Nick Flowers, uh, Sam Heller had some good guys in the offensive zone. I know they got to replace a lot in the D zone, though, so it'll be interesting to see how Andy handles that over there. I know they got to get a brand new goaltender in there uh, with, uh, with Michael Holtz graduating. Uh, Menor, graduated a lot uh, but they'll have some good guys back and uh, coming off that fantastic year that unprecedented year they had uh, last year uh, you know Paul has done such a great job building that program I can remember uh, when Mentor was really down on its luck and uh, and and Paul has done such a commendable job getting them back contending for a spot in the Kent district final they'll they'll be good again. Uh, Benny had some good young talent, Uh, you know kenson is going to be tough uh, after graduating Val Carrero. Uh, Down in the blue division, uh, real quick, I think the team to watch for me is Chagrin Falls because they have a ton coming back and uh, to think about where Jim's brought that program. I mean, uh, let's not forget uh, Chagrin was dormant for a year. And sometimes in that cir- circumstance, you'll come. some teams come back and some don't. Jim was able to get it back within a year. And uh, I think they're going to contend for uh, Baron Cup three uh, this year. As long as they've got everybody coming back, they got a good group in place over there. So really high on them as well.
1: This is you in soccer mode? You're not in soccer mode. Come on. <laughs> you're in mid-season form
0: holy
3: man I, yeah i'll tell you what technology. i'm just kind of uh yeah i'm kind of tipping the ice off of uh, <laughs> off my brain here and getting into winter mode i don't I know think what's you're going good on good to here.
1: go yeah i think
3: you're good yeah it sure sounds like and i'm 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 impressing myself here <laughs>
0: i i feel like we're 20 games into the season already with that that's good i tell you what if
3: I'm, if I'm breaking it down like that man yeah maybe i'm maybe i'm ready <laughs> right now <laughs> jump
0: in man jump both feet jump in let's do it yeah <laughs>
3: hey man i'm i'm yeah i'm always ready
0: what's your <laughs> what what's your favorite arena to go watch a game in
3: you know is from a cleveland standpoint the one that i love uh probably the most is brooklyn i i have so many good memories there and it's such just a just a grand old lady of the sport and they've done such a such a nice job maintaining it over the years i'll tell you an underrated one obviously not in my area but one they've done a nice job kind of bringing back uh, from where i remember it even like 15-ish years ago um, is, uh is Reese Reese was not in great shape there for a minute they've done a nice job kind of kind of bringing that back and it's still got that character to it you know i i remember you know i've seen the old pictures of it when it was an outdoor rink for crying out loud but um reese uh, has a lot of character to it um you know as far as my area uh you know a lot of my teams play at heights that's always a nice uh place uh you know on the big ice over there the um you know i know brush and benny kind of play over on on the other sheet as well uh too. To, uh, you know, uh, Gilmore is, uh, you know, it's nice to have the two uh, sheets over there. Um, you know, menner has got a solid rank. But as far as character goes in Cleveland, uh, no doubt. Uh, Brooklyn uh, is definitely at the top of the list for me.
0: So, all right. We like to ask the hard-hitting questions here, Chris. And you're a media guy. You're a newspaper man. You're going to appreciate this. Who has the best concession stand that you've been to so far? <laughs> Who pops the best colonel?
3: Ooh, ooh, that's a tough one, man. You know, uh, I would probably say I've had some good food at Brooklyn. Uh, Menor's okay. Uh, Gilmore's okay. But, man, off the top of my head, I would probably have to say Brooklyn. Yeah, probably Brooklyn.
0: Do you get the walking taco when you go to Menor? That was a staple. That was a staple I for do us not. when we come over. I
3: do oh. not. I, 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 I should, Jump but in, I, I, I do not. I usually – I'm usually there you go. Yeah, I'm usually a hot dog man myself. <laughs> okay, so all right, all right. um, but uh yeah, that walking taco does look tempting. No, no question about that. Follow <laughs> right, up question
1: though on the rink. Uh, yeah. what's the best vantage point to watch a hockey game? Where do you like to watch your high school hockey from?
3: So when I first started, I'll tell you a funny story. My very first game uh in, in the winter uh probably November, December of 2000, Uh, It was at the pond. It was a Sharon Falls game. And I had no idea what to do. I had no clue how to cover high school hockey because I'm here I am. I'm 19 years old. I have no idea what I'm doing. I was just handed this, this beat. How am I going to do this? And so I asked the Sharon Falls coach at the time, Keith McCaslin, like, where should I, what should I do? And he's like, oh, here, sit on the bench. And this was at a time when we didn't have you know, helmets, or we're looking out for anything. So I'm sitting there on the bench, like, what am I doing sitting on the bench? But obviously, thankfully, that was only a one game experiment. But eventually, I grew into a place where my favorite place to cover a game is probably uh, on the corner boards. And uh, if it's an all-area matchup, I'll probably stay in the same place. Uh, we jokingly have a place at Minor Civic Arena that they call Little Strong Corner, uh, off to the off to the side, off to the, to the back there uh, on that side uh, by the benches. Um, I like to watch games from there. If it's an area versus non-area matchup for me in a game, I'll probably switch. Uh, the corners that I'm at for whichever offensive zone my team is in. Uh, but, yeah, that corner board vantage point is what what I enjoy the most.
1: Yeah, that's why the the last uh, – I see you at least once a year at the Cleveland Cup championship game. And uh, I don't know if it was just last year or the last two years, I set myself up in the press box, which is where I like to be, and then I was like, I'm surprised Lilstrong's Lil Strong is not here. And then I realized, like, in the <laughs> second or third period that, oh, there he is. He's over in the corner. <laughs> I guess you get used to watching your, your right, yeah, no, vantage point. That's where, that's where you got to be.
3: Well, and, 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 and to be honest, I, you know, there were a few years for a while where I, I would watch, uh, from the bleachers, uh, especially at Menor Civic Arena and, I kind of got to a point where I, for multiple reasons, I didn't want to do that. One, it was better to be closer to the action. But number two, if I'm being honest, uh, I had some bad parent experiences (laughs) and I had to stop doing that. It was not good. I I can tell you some stories, man. Uh, It's not good. Tell us a story. We're on a podcast. So you're sitting in the stands covering,
1: they recognize
3: you, right?
1: You're not saying you yep. just overheard a bad—they—they caught they saw you sitting there and, and had something to say to you.
3: All right, so uh, I'll tell you—I'll tell you two stories in, in that regard. Uh, and obviously, I'm not going to name schools because that's not going to help anybody. But I'll—I'll I'll, I'll definitely tell the story. One Saturday afternoon, I'm at the pond uh, covering a game. It's a high-scoring blue division game, and it's to a point where. Who cares who gets assists on goals or anything like that? So the best player for my area team uh, is in at center ice. And there's this instance where there's a loose puck in the neutral zone. And this guy goes to skate for it and gets knocked off the puck. It's checked off the puck. Best player gets the puck skates in on a breakaway from center ice uh, for a banger, short uh, uh short side, you know, and I'm not kidding. It was like a, like a 12, 13, 14 goal game. I mean, it just, it was one of those. And this one mom is about three rows in front of me and she turns around and then she goes, make sure you give an assist to, and she says her son's name now, <laughs> Again, the the kid that she's referring to, and obviously he's not a kid anymore because this was ten plus years ago. But the kid she was referring to was the one who was knocked off the puck. He didn't actually <laughs> touch the puck, so he had no business getting an assist on this goal. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I could hear myself saying it out loud. I'm like, there was no assist on that goal. It was <laughs> a breakaway. And as soon as it came out of my mouth, I'm like, this is going to be a problem for me. And so this turns to her husband and she goes, he's not gonna give him an assist. He's not giving him an assist on that goal. And I could see it, I'm like, oh my God, she stands up, (laughs) walks out of her row and comes up toward me. And and I'm not kidding, I'm not exaggerating, I swear, uh, hand on heart, she gets within about four inches of my face at the side of my head because I just would not acknowledge it because I knew this was going to be bad so I was just staring at the game watching the game and she gets within about four inches of my face and she goes she goes my husband has been covered, has been a hockey coach for 30 years and I've been watching my son since he was in squirts and you need to get your facts straight because that was an assist and and so she goes and walks back down and sits back down And I think after a couple minutes, she realized uh, that she was a little bit out of line, and she turns around and kind of looks at me. And I look at her and I say, I, "I showed her my notebook, and I said I wrote the assist down. This is not worth it." And I and I never heard from her again. But that was that was pretty wild. And I'll tell you another one real real quick um was and this was this was back in the metroplex days so this was a minute ago right and uh and it was uh i'll I'll say the schools in in this case because it was area versus non-area it was it was a us eds game and i i was sitting there before the game and i used to bring uh, you know, like my computer bag or my briefcase to, uh, to the game so that, you know, I had my notes and I had all my stuff in it, that sort of thing. And I went to walk down to talk to to Bill and to Bob before the game. And I come walking back to the bleachers before the game. And one of the Ed's parents is going through my bag, <laughs> like looking for stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing? And And like the guy is doing it. Like, it's just like, completely normal to do this and i'm like what are you doing and and the guy kind of just meekly just kind of you know closes my briefcase and leaves it where it was and kind of walks away i'm like what what just happened here? What on earth just happened here? But yeah, I can tell a thousand stories about parents, man, bleachers or not. Uh, I've had some inter- interesting interactions over the years. Uh, some unforgettable ones definitely toward the top of the list. Well, when you, were, when, you,
0: when you were describing uh, where you like to stand for games, I I purposely did not say that I know where you stand because we see you all the time. And that is uh, for everyone's safety, not just yours. Um, I, I think that yes, you could go on for about a million years on stories, especially the things you hear. And and it, it is funny, I, oh. I've sat in stands before watching games and, and and some of them are our own and some of them others. And, and I just, some of it is, wow, wow. I, I'm really not sure what, what, I mean, I get it, I get it. I get it to an extent some of it it's like uh, really are we, are we really gonna take it this this far but
3: oh dude i mean to your point i mean it, it just a, a couple of really funny ones just general observations if they called the number of tripping penalties that parents wanted from the stands we'd be there until two o'clock in the morning <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's just it, it's crazy it's like trip 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 and everything's a trip no not everything freaking trip. Yeah. And then there was one I remember, um, a funny one real quick. Um, years ago, uh, a goaltender has to come out of the game for some reason. I can't remember what it was. So the backup goaltender comes in and this mom, bless her heart, is in the bleachers and she's so worried about her son uh, you know, getting physical contact of any kind. And every time there's a dump and chase into the zone or anything like that, you just hear her kind of build up in volume. No, no. Oh, no. No, no, no. Is a to this
0: kid. And
3: I don't think he take he took very many shots that day, but it was just kind of funny to me to just, you know, bless her heart, she was genuinely concerned for her son, but it was just kind of funny. But yeah. Yeah, parents are are definitely uh, you know, a lot of them are great, but some of them can be a different uh breed of uh, fan. There's no doubt about it.
0: <laughs> well, Chris, uh there was something that I read uh today and it came from you. And if you'd like to elaborate on it, that'd be great. And, and forgive me for this setup not being uh, on point, but you are one of a dying breed as a sports writer, as a writer in general. Um, could you elaborate on what went on that caused you to be vocal about that this morning or, or within the last two days on uh, social media? So, okay,
3: so a problem that we have been having in the last couple of years, and it's really contributing to. Uh, You know look. there's a lot of reasons that the newspaper industry is having problems, Uh, no question about it. Um, You know, just uh, unfortunately being behind the curve on a number of things and shifting people from subscribing to the paper to maybe subscribing digitally and that sort of thing. But what really got me uh, and has gotten me in the last couple of years is we just have people who blatantly steal our work. So what they'll do is, is like, let's say for the sake of argument that there's a story I, and I'm not, and I'm just saying this as an example, uh, I'm not saying that like, let's, let's say I put a a University Gilmore hockey story online. And, And I'm not saying nobody from Gilmore US does this. I'm just using this as an example. What'll happen is is some people, what they will do is they will go to our website where the story is, click on the link, there's a story that comes up on newsherald.com and they'll copy and paste the story beginning to end and they'll paste it either to a school site, to Facebook, they'll screen grab it and put it on Twitter. Um, You know, I can't tell you uh, how many times we've had that. And then like another one is, is we'll send a photographer out to cover an event and they'll put up a photo gallery on our website. And I'll, I'll tell you a, a quick story, just how horrifying it can be. Last year, we had uh, the president of a of, uh, uh, Boys Basketball Booster Club. She would go on, whenever her team had games that we had a photographer at, she would go on our website, the galleries there, screen grab every single picture, take the screen grabs, and put those as a separate Facebook gallery on their page. Now, the bottom line is when people do this, obviously it's horrifying, but when people do this, they're driving traffic away from us. If you can uh, access a story for free and in full on a school site or Facebook or elsewhere, there's no need to go to newsherald.com. Or to buy the newspaper uh, at the stand, or have it delivered to your home, and if that's the case, that's revenue we're not getting. And if it's not, if it's revenue we're not getting, it puts my livelihood at stake. I mean, I've, I've literally put my life into this, and people are just taking our work like it's community property, and and just you know using it as they see fit it's like you know the analogy we kind of always use is is you wouldn't walk into a grocery store and just pick up a loaf of bread and walk out but that's what people do with our work literally and it's so disconcerting and 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 they're like well I don't know any better I didn't know that was wrong and they still do it anyway it's just it's so frustrating and I just got to a point where I'm like you know what I, I have to call it out I just have to call it out when I see it because people aren't learning the lesson and uh, yeah, that's what got me to what what I said yesterday, and I've done that a few times, unfortunately, here in the last couple of months. And 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 people just don't get it; they don't understand it. it's wrong.
1: I mean, and it, it's, it's not like, just enough to credit the work—you know, copy it and put it on your own website and then credit Chris Lelstrom, News Herald. Like you said, you've you've siphoned traffic away from the site. So we do a lot of news aggregation at uh, Ohio Hockey Digest, but it's headline teaser paragraph to get somebody interested and then click here to read the story and then it goes to wherever this you know wherever the story originated
3: and that's perfect that's exactly what we want we want people to interact with our stories on social media we want them to retweet and like and and share links to stories but that that's the extent of it we want them to share the links we don't want them to take the entire text of stories and put it elsewhere so people can look at it for free and then like we had somebody just a quick story uh about a month ago one of my colleagues saw one of his stories on facebook and it was published in full on a facebook page away from newsherald.com and He he, and he and and my colleague told the 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 person who did it like please don't do that. You're 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 affecting our livelihood here. And her her response was, Well, everybody does it. Everybody does it. (laughs) And 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 not only does she say everybody does it, but then she says, Oh, here's the way that you can get around the paywall and you don't have to subscribe. (laughs) And I think it's worth noting in the case of the News Herald. People complain about the fact that, oh, I have to subscribe and, oh, I only get a certain amount of free clicks and all of that. A digital subscription for us, last time I checked, is $3 a week. It's $3. And people are still complaining like, oh, I shouldn't have to pay for this because it's on the internet. Well, yes, we should be held to a high standard with that responsibility no question about it and and we take that responsibility very seriously to do good work in service to the community but that work should have value and and thinking that it should be free is ridiculous and i wish people would would get away from that because it's basically one of the reasons it's killing our business
0: you know chris it's it's along the lines of napster and along the lines of file sharing and things like that what you guys do what photographers do, what writers do. That's art. And I'm not going to get on a soapbox. I know we're getting away from our, our own personal content, but it—it it is something that is personally uh, important to me is that what you guys do is art. And if, if everyone and their brother was able to do it, then why aren't they? And so what right. What writers do, The I'll take it even farther back, the Don Friedman's used to do and the Tim Borzinskis used to do and the, and the Chris Lillstrom's used to do, that is art. What photographers do is art. If you were that adamant about getting a picture of your kid or other kids playing their sport, get your damn camera and go to the to the venue. It's sad that in the dying age of newspapers that we can't go anywhere and get objective information. The TV is garbage. The internet is garbage. When you find good things, right. you have to foster them. You have to take care of them. That includes the people that are doing right. them. And, and, you know, the, the internet and, and our society is in a now, 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 now uh, mentality. So, Chris, you right. took three days to write your article on Gilmore and U.S., Well, damn it, I want it in in a day and a half. I want it less. I want it ten minutes after the game. My kid's not even showered and out yet. Why isn't it posted? Oh, by the way, once you post it, I'm gonna go steal it and I'm gonna say that I wrote it. That's a bunch of he had an
1: assist on that goal.
0: Yeah, damn it. That's right. That was on his back. He was on
1: his back in the neutral zone, but he should have had an assist. (laughs)
3: <laughs> well i'll tell you a funny story real quick in that regard to your point like uh the other night i had uh, five girls soccer teams all win in the same night and you know our deadline is roughly about eleven thirty uh midnight range seven o'clock soccer match for the one i covered and then i wanted to track down the winning coaches from the other four matches i literally had to write five stories in 90 minutes on deadline <laughs> and sometimes that's what you have to do yeah. It's, 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 it's just part of it. And, you know, sometimes, you know, with, with, with good solid feature stories, you can take your time with it. But a lot of times when we're cranking out that content, it's, you got to do this in a half hour or else. I mean, that's yeah. just the way it is. I mean, that's, that's, that's life with uh, with a daily paper. That's what you have to do.
0: You know, in, in a, in a, in a time when there is so little coverage of we'll use our platform of high school sports, whether it be on television or whether it be in, in print media, it's sad that people are continuing and they don't realize it. I, I truly believe a lot of people don't realize it. they are single-handedly driving the medium out of business. And that stinks. But
3: And, and, and- the thing about it is, is you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, if local media is not around, I think it's going to get to a point where schools are going to have to do it themselves and to the point you mentioned earlier it's it's going to be where those schools are just obviously covering themselves it's not about an area and like who are the five best players in this 20 school coverage area or anything like that it's just going to be you know oh, we have these great kids and 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 we're going to do it ourselves and you know you know that's it's unfortunate you know
0: objectivity
1: objectivity.
0: You know, you listen to to certain uh, uh, broadcasts and the one, uh, there's a guy in Boston that I won't name his name because he doesn't deserve it. Um, He's so biased. It's sick. It's unreal. I mean, literally, it is so unreal. Or anytime you're, you know, being Cleveland people and being Cleveland fans and you watch a national feed of an Indians game, it does not matter that they have more wins than anyone else. We are not two areas of the country that matter more to everyone else. You're not going to get objectivity. We aren't getting objectivity right now. We have it in you. We have it in others that are doing it and it's being pirated. And that sucks.
3: It does. I mean, and and I, and I always like to use the, the phrasing, like friends are honest with each other and, you know, with, with hockey teams, you know, if, if, if US, and I've, I've done it for 20 years, you know, I, you, I as you guys know, I do like those post game analysis mm-hmm. videos for Twitter. And if I think US sucked on the power play in, in, the third period, I'm going to say US sucked on the power play in the third period. And a lot of times they'll be the first to admit it. We were awful on the power play in the third period, or we didn't back check enough, or our four checks stunk in the opening period. And they'll be the first to admit it. But I mean, sometimes you, you got to have the objectivity to say that you know maybe this wasn't the best performance in the world and it's not a personal indictment on anybody and sometimes it's yeah. interpreted that way but a lot of times you're just saying like within the context of a sport they just weren't very good at this that particular night and you have you have to do that if you're being truly objective about it
0: you know it's it's the the hard part and this is from a, i'll say i'm an insider looking out but you're dealing with high school kids you're dealing with high school sports in the grand scheme of things. We have a professional covering something that in 20 years will be a blip on your screen. Enjoy the moment. Right. If it's, if it's good press, bad press, all press is good press. You might, I I might've stunk last night and you called me out on it in the newspaper. And the next time I see you, I'm going to give you a little smirk. Like that's what you thought. Watch what I do tonight. However, in 25 right. plus plus 25 plus years, it's not going to mean a hill of beans. I'm going to hope you're still doing well. That's just me regardless. But Chris,
2: thank you so much
0: for your time, man. Thank you so much for being here. We can't thank you enough for your insight. I know I did not want to make you mad, but I thought it was a topic that, that warranted the attention. It really did because again, you are a professional. You know, go ahead, sir. No, I'm I'm sorry. You, you know, it, it's funny.
3: I I thought the, the one uh, that I was gonna be talking about in this podcast because it, it got so much traction was the was the whole Saint Ignatius thing from the last couple of years. I, I was kind of surprised that didn't come up, but hey, uh, that that that's cool too.
0: No comment. <laughs> no comment.
2: <laughs>
0: but again, Chris, we can't we thank you so much for your time. Chris Lolstrong, News Herald, you do a hell of a job, my friend. And uh, continue to write nice about us when we see you. And if you don't, well, I'm thanks ask so much,
3: you, I, my friend. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask to you, again, you guys.
0: I'm gonna ask you again the next time, even if you don't write nice about us the first time. I'm gonna ask you the second time. Please write nice about us. And every time after that, you're a professional doing a professional job, my friend. Thank you so much for being with us, Chris Lillstrom.
1: Thanks for coming on. Chris. My pleasure.
0: This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by Team Ohio. Time in the rink as a Team Ohio player is about more than competition. It's about seizing opportunities to grow as athletes, about being a great teammate, and to be a part of a community. That's why our premier Tier 2 Hockey League welcomes youth players ages 5 to 18 years old to join our nationally lauded program. With reasonable fees, transparency, and athlete development that has prepped players for teams at all levels, we are here to coach our players for success both on and off the ice. Well, guys... Uh, another show in the books. We had an excellent talk, a very candid talk with Mr. Chris Lillstrung of the News Herald. I thought Chris was more open than I thought he would be. I thought that uh, talking about how to come up with decade teams, uh, we know can't be easy. However, his his writing and his coverage of his area teams and others, he makes it seem very very easy
1: you can't say you might disagree with his choices you can't say he doesn't know his stuff and you can't sure. say he doesn't take it serious right
0: well how about he just you know, rattled, even he, just you're, rattled you're, he just rattled off a preview and he hasn't covered he hasn't what was said. It's like
1: well it's soccer season i haven't really thought about it but <laughs> like what so you know if your kid doesn't get picked or your team doesn't get picked for whatever you know reason or you know it's not that he didn't think it through You know, so, yeah, but that's a, that, those all decade teams, that was, we talked about that. That was back in when we first started in the spring, we were talking about that. Yeah. And yeah, Yeah. it's a hard thing to do.
0: You know, I I liked how he also got, uh, I guess, personal, if you will, about how the basic pirating of stories and and other media is going on. And it's, it's having, it's having a a severe effect on, on the, 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 the industry. You know, I mean, where, where you could just go ahead and take somebody else's work and go use it as your own and, you know, Hey, thanks to parent so-and-so for, for writing this great write-up. Well, they didn't write it. Right. You know, why, why would, I mean, I get why you do it. I don't agree with why you do it. I get why you do it. Um, but.
1: Well, we live in a world, I think where there's so much free content that there's people that have just grown up thinking that, you know, it's all free and. A lot of it is, but uh, you can't just copy somebody's story <laughs> and put it on your own website. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing is, uh, you know, it's behind a paywall because they're, they take that stuff serious, like we said, you know, just a minute ago, and he does a really good job puts a lot of work into it. That's why it's behind a paywall and you can't just, uh, you can't just take it and share it.
0: Yeah, so that's the truth. I,
1: we try to be really careful with uh, Ohio Hockey Digest. We I do a lot of, as I call it, news aggregation. There's I I write what I can, but actually the the idea of the the idea to start the site was just one point where you could go and find everybody else's stories and link to yeah. from there. So I do a lot of that. When if I see, let's say Chris writes something that's really his his preview or whatever. I'll put it up on Ohio Hockey Digest, but it's just a headline and a, a little paragraph to get get your wet your appetite, and then you have to click on the link and go. So he gets a click. You got to go to his website to read it. We don't just copy it and paste it. So I I don't think I'm on his shit list, but there are definitely <laughs> some. who are
0: apparently. Apparently there are, <laughs> and he let us know about it. But uh, a special thank you to our guest from the News Herald, sports writer Chris Littlestrung. That'll do it for episode twenty eight of On Air. Thanks for tuning in on behalf of Tim Sullivan who couldn't be here thank you so much also to next management miss what what next
1: week we have Adam Woden from college hockey news is going to be with us next week to do an NCAA preview so, so we're so just previewing
0: we're previewing everybody i mean it's going so right. we're starting to, we're starting the previews now so next week as as scott said Adam Woden from was it college hockey news Did
1: collegehockeynews.com fantastic website that that's a guy who knows his stuff at the ncaa level So we'll be talking Buckeyes, Falcons, Red Hawks, and Mercyhurst Lakers.
0: Ooh, we're going the D1 route tomorrow or next week, huh? I like that. I like where we're going. Well, you can find the On Air podcast at www.OhioHockeyDigest.com with full episodes and archives, as well as a list of future guests. You can also subscribe to On Air on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Continuing to grow the game as best we can. This is... On air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast.
2: He goes home, 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 doing the animal dance. It's the animal dance.
3: It's the animal dance.
2: dance. Let's all stand (laughs) up.